You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, your weekly spot on the radio dial for informed and enthusiastic Indiana basketball discussion and analysis brought to you by HoosierProud.com. I'm your host, Jared Morris, a position I have held since we launched the Assembly Call IU postgame show in 2011, mere weeks before Christian Watford shot heard round the world. I have loved Indiana basketball for as long as I can remember, and no, I am still not over the 1993 Hoosiers falling short of hanging banner number six. Uh, but that is a, a discussion for another day. We've got a really good show planned for you today. My usual co-hosts, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, who co-host the Assembly Call IU postgame show with me, will be joining us in our third and fourth segments. So we have a special treat for this week's episode. We're going to be joined here on these first two segments by the great Chronic Hoosier. Most of you, if you're on Twitter and you're an IU fan, you're probably following him on Twitter at Chronic Hoosier. Uh, gives great insight, whether it's IU football, IU basketball, all the other IU sports. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the most influential voices about IU sports that is out there, and we're happy to have him on with us this week on Assembly Call Radio. Chronic, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Hey, hey man, thank you so much for having me. Indianapolis Radio, man, congrats to you, and hey, Ma, look, I made it. <laughs> thank you. Well, hey, we, uh, we are, as, as I've told you many times before, we are in the position that we are in because of the support of people like you, especially when we were starting out. So thank you for that. And, uh, you know, hey, it's just nice to have someone on here with whom I don't have philosophical differences. So, uh, so <laughs> I, I think we can have a good conversation here. You know, it's been, it's been an interesting week when it comes to Indiana sports because, you know, Indiana beats North Carolina. You've got an injury to a star player, an OG Ananobi, and yet for the last 24, 48 hours, that's all been overshadowed by IU football, which isn't something that you can say very often. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll keep our attention on the basketball team right now because, you know, a huge win over North Carolina. Um, number one, were you there in attendance? I assume that you were. And number two, just what were your, your thoughts, your general takeaways from that huge win for Indiana? Actually, I was at home doing parental duties. Ah. Uh, my, my wife was, was indisposed at the time. And while I maybe could have swung the, the kids at my mother-in-law's for a seven o'clock tip on a school night, that late tip off uh, kind of necessitated that I stay home with them. Yeah. So we were uh, we were actually able to to get the homework projects done in advance and get everybody taken care of. And uh, I was able to settle in and kind of watch it like I assume most people did from the comfort of their couches yeah. in high definition. Um, right. So it was it was still a thrilling game nonetheless. Yeah, it was. I mean, what what were you expecting? I mean, were you nervous about how IU was going to come out? And then what you know, what were you thinking as they you know just kind of came out, shot out of a cannon, and took that lead that they never relinquished? I, I think after Fort Wayne, uh, any Hoosier would be lying if they didn't tell you that they were they were concerned heading into that matchup. Uh, a lot of doubts got sown uh, up in Fort Wayne that evening. Um, so yeah, there was a, there was a little bit of apprehension. I mean, everything we'd seen from Carolina thus far, they were arguably the most complete, if not one of the most complete teams in the country. They were playing at a really high level. Uh, and while we had seen IU in the, you know, out in, in Hawaii versus Kansas, 
we kind of had to recalibrate after Fort Wayne and trying to figure out just what, what this team was bringing and what the matchup was going to look like. Um, going into it anymore, and I think this is, this is really telling where the program is, I still felt like Assembly Hall gave them an advantage. Uh, we've just seen it too many times now with ranked teams coming into Assembly Hall. You're going to get the best out of the Hoosiers on any given night if it's just this team's built for the bright lights. And I, I did feel good about that, but that certainly wasn't without doubts. I mean, this is obviously a, a very talented team. They've got a lot of depth. Uh, they have a lot of great assets, but they're still a flawed team. And you, you always wonder how that's going to balance out at the end. Uh, but as we've seen so many times, Assembly Hall's magic. It's just absolutely magical nights like that. It is. Oh, there, there is no place better than Simon Scott Assembly Hall. I mean, even on normal games, but on, uh, on nights like that, it is, I mean, one of the greatest sports venues in the country. I mean, they're just when you consider the atmosphere and the impact that it actually has on winning, there are a few places, I mean, in sports that are like Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And, you know, it's almost it's almost become cliche at this point, just just how special that gym is. But, you know, you, you saw it. You, you heard Roy in the postgame presser and, and he continues to, to harp on that. Uh, you know, wanting his home fans to be more akin to Assembly Hall. But, you know, whether it's Sam Decker, all the comments get get brought back out after every one of these moments. And I'd even said it, you know, on nights like that, you go into Assembly Hall and, and for all the talk about the decibel levels, I, I think it's more than noise. I, I've been to a lot of gyms that get really, really noisy. It's It's more visceral than that to me. It's the energy. It's you feel it in your bones. And not just that. I mean, the concrete bounces and sways. It, it totally consumes you. And it's it's unlike anything. You know, the closest I've come to is, is, is maybe a concert setting. Yeah. Uh, you know, where everything's just turned up so loud, but there's thousands of people all moving in unison. That human electricity, as I described it, is it's just it's like a drug. I, I really wish you could bottle that because it's it's the best feeling in the world. And Assembly Hall consistently delivers on nights like that. It does. It, it does. does. And, and and nights like that always bring up the conversation of what's the loudest that you've ever heard Assembly Hall. And so I want to get your thoughts on that here in just a second. Uh, before I do that, though, I want to take a quick second uh, and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com. Because if you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their products so much that we move production of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, they care about their customers, and they take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. So check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with the great Chronic Hoosier talking about Indiana's victory over North Carolina in what was just an amazing night at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Chronic, the loudest I've ever personally heard uh, Assembly Hall there for a game that I was at was actually in 1993 when Calvert broke the Big Ten scoring record. And there may have been other times back then where it got louder, but to my young ears at the time, that's kind of the most epic moment and the loudest just single moment from when that shot went up and it was totally silent to the eruption when he made it. That That is a moment that is ingrained forever for me. What's the loudest you can remember Simon Scott Assembly Hall being? 
I, I still think the Marco's dunk versus Duke yeah. probably pegged the needle for me on the decibel level. Um, I, I, that was one of those moments where you're screaming at the top of your lungs and you're jumping up and down. And I, I distinctly remember when I stopped to jump because my friend and I couldn't even complete a high five. I mean, we're just so amped or smacking each other and strangers in the heads that even when I stopped bouncing, I was still bouncing with the concrete below me, like beneath me. It was, it was insane like that. That said though, well, well that may have been the loudest decibel reading. I still think the watt shot was probably the most chaotic, the most sustained yeah. that, that, that never, it never dipped. I mean, I, I, I remember after the, the Killingsworth dunk, eventually the crowd settled in and Duke regained the lead. Yeah. It seemed like the energy from the watch shot carried us out the building. I mean, it, you, you walked on air from that moment forward Yeah. and it, it just never ended. It just, it was like the end of the white album, that final note that just carried on forever. Huh. That that was the watch shot noise for me. It's a great way to describe it. So getting back to the IU North Carolina game, what was your biggest takeaway? Because I know for me, you know, the emergence of Robert Johnson as a leader, both a vocal leader and a leader in actions with what he did at the beginning of that game and defensively throughout the game. I thought he really led Indiana. And we know Tom Crean has been harping on, you know, needing to get that kind of leadership. That was my biggest takeaway. What was your single biggest takeaway from that win for Indiana? Um. I, I would tend to agree with you and I uh, on Rojo, and I'd maybe even take it a step further, uh, just the upperclassmen in general. Uh, for a team that is that is so youth-heavy in freshmen and, and sophomores as far as the minutes that they're playing, it's, it's a game like that where your upperclassmen absolutely have to take the lead. Uh, I, I think about especially when they had trimmed the lead to, was it four or five points late in the second, and then uh, – we got a big three and then got some locked back in on defense and we're able to build it back up to double digits. Yep. That, that is exactly the moment where that leadership has to come through. And a lot of times, you know, hitting a big, a big shot is always going to be clutch, but the ability to get a stop and it's not just to regain the momentum, but you have to stop their momentum first. And you can do that in a number of ways, but, often most effectively is going to be on the defensive end or on the glass. And that, that to me was a watershed moment because we've all, we've all been there. You've all seen big leads built up. Uh, and then inevitably they, they go away, especially if you're an IU football fan. Um, <laughs> and maybe some of those are a little too fresh in the memory too, but, uh, that was tremendous. And, and I'll also say the, uh, the role that Newkirk was able to play for us in that particular game. And this is coming, I, admittedly, I had tweeted out criticism about him sticking to the script and playing his role. When he's able to facilitate those around him, um, he does good things for this team. When he's able to to pull up at the elbow, perhaps, and take that jumper rather than trying to get it to the rack, good things happen for this team. I mean, we, we're obviously at this point now, we've – we've come to grips with what life looks like post Yogi and you realize exactly how many little things he did for this team. So to, to find yourself in that situation where you're desperately wondering who's, you know, who's going to fill in that role and see him be able to rein it back in and, 
and manage the game. And I think that's what this team really needs. The ball handler spot is is a good game manager. We don't necessarily need the scoring that Yogi was able to deliver nearly as much as we need someone who can keep everybody engaged and hit them in their spots. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because we've seen, uh, obviously, Indiana play very poorly in that game against Fort Wayne where you say, wow, they really missed Yogi Ferrell. And, and obviously, you know, Indiana was going to miss Yogi, but shoot, you know, at the end of the day, we're sitting here, uh, you know, the first couple of days in December, and Indiana has two wins over top five teams, you know, already, you know, in the bank, ready for the rest of the season. And so we're going to talk, you know, kind of big picture, you know, how, how things are kind of shaping up for Indiana this season, you know, your view in general of how the program looks. We will talk about that uh, here in just a second. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, host of The Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And I'm here talking IU basketball with Chronic Hoosier, the great Chronic Hoosier. And Chronic, we've been talking about IU's win over North Carolina. And I want, you know, with the, with the time that we have left with you, I want to get kind of your big picture view of the program. Your general thoughts, big picture on the program and just how things sh- are shaping up for this year. I think for the beginning of the season, if you looked at the non-conference schedule uh, and identified those four really valuable games with Kansas, North Carolina, Butler, and Louisville, if you would have said, you know, IU is going to be, let's say they split those and they end up two and two coming out of that against against those opponents, I think most reasonable people would have been pretty happy with that. That would have been a, a good, if not optimal, result. I don't think most people would have picked Kansas and North Carolina as the two wins in that scenario. I I think just statistically Louisville and Butler would have seemed most likely if you're going to split those. So to have those under your belt, just five games into this or six games into the season is honestly, it's, it's unprecedented. I don't think anybody has those wins right now. Um, So that's, I don't know how you could ask for anything more than that. Uh, the Fort Wayne game is certainly a bump that, I, you know, from a seeding standpoint, selection view at the end of the season, I don't think it's going to matter that much um, so long as they can avoid similar missteps down the road, you know, losing those games that most people thought should have been you know, readily winnable for you. At the end of the day, though, too, I think you can look at Fort Wayne and and perhaps that was one of those turning points. You know, maybe we'll look back at it as one of those games where they realized whether it's, you know, a, a top ranked opponent at home in prime time or it's, you know, a seven o'clock Wednesday tip in mid-January versus Penn State, you're going to have to bring your best every single time. And I think that was that was one of my biggest takeaways from the Fort Wayne game to North Carolina is I, f- I felt like in Fort Wayne, they came out and, and they got punched in the mouth right off or you know, right off the tip. And, and again, in the second half, for that matter. And then the response in North Carolina was the exact opposite. They brought the fight to the Tar Heels from the get-go, and they never really relented from that point onward. I mean, Carolina was able to battle back and get it close, but IU looked fit for fight the entire game, from my perspective, and that was that was huge. They're going to have to do that not just against the big the, the big opponents, but as well when you get into the grind of the Big Ten season. If they're really looking at you know a goal of having a top seed line, it's exactly those games, those games that you're projected to win that you have to win. You can't let those slip and still expect to achieve, you know, the, the optimal result when it comes time for selection Sunday. So the fact that they were able to 
to do that and take that lesson away this quickly, I, I think is really promising. I, I think most of us will agree. This team's got tremendous potential. The ceiling's high for them. Uh, they are absolutely not without their flaws, which have been pretty well documented by many at this point. Um, but somewhere at that, that intersection of their potential, their preparation and their execution, it's there's magic possible with these guys. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of uh, what kind of magic is in store for them. I agree with you. You know, and I think what was so important about that North Carolina game is that we have seen during Tom Crean's time at Indiana kind of these lost months almost where you have a loss and it kind of snowballs and all of a sudden you look up and you've lost three out of four, you know, like like last year, you know, Maui happens and then Duke happens. And all of a sudden we're sitting there at the beginning of December and it feels like the sky is falling. And obviously, you know, he was able to turn that around. And I thought that's what was so important about this North Carolina game and having it at home, the kind of the timing and scheduling certainly helped. But, you know, getting that win, I think, writes that ship and people who maybe had started to doubt everything, you know, after that Fort Wayne loss, you get that big win against North Carolina. It feels like everything's pointed in the right direction again. And I think that's a testament to, to Tom Crean's growth as a coach and the leader of this program to be able to, to get that ship righted again so quickly and be able to bounce back from that Fort Wayne game and have the guys ready to play as, as well as they were against North Carolina. How are you generally feeling, just your confidence level in Coach Crean and the overall direction of the program? I'm fairly confident, but I will say this. As it relates to the, the transition out of Fort Wayne into North Carolina, I think one thing that was, that was painfully apparent in the Fort Wayne game was how integral uh, OG's presence is on the floor for this team. Yeah. Uh, his ability to, to disrupt defenses, um, just the attention that the teams have to pay him on offense – and what what this team looks like in that absence. Um, so with him now being on indefinite injury reserve, um, we'll see. And, you know, it, it's probably going to be, um, you know, assuming he's still out come the Butler game, that's probably going to be the first true test of, of just what is this team, perhaps, if he's not there with them. So we've got, what is, 15 more days between now and then. Uh, before we we play Butler up in Indianapolis, so you know high ankle sprains, man. They uh they can they can resolve themselves in relatively short order. They can last half a season or longer. Uh, they can get a little tricky like that. So we'll see. But that was one that was one thing that that I guess one concern I do have coming out of the North Carolina game is is what this team is going to look like in his absence for the time being, yeah. uh, and how long that lasts. I don't think we're necessarily going to see. Much of an answer there in the next three games with uh, SIU Edwardsville, Southeast Missouri State, and Houston Baptist. But, uh, you know, Godspeed. Is re- <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll say this much, though, as, and, and this is coming from a guy that's given, uh, you know, that's given the program its fair share of grief for the scheduling this year, at least the bottom end of the scheduling. Uh, if ever you're going to have to figure out what your team looks like without one of your star players in it, this is a pretty friendly time of the schedule yeah. to do that. Yeah. No, the timing yes. looks brilliant now in hindsight. It's all worked out great. Yeah, and even if even if he misses Butler, you really don't see anybody of, of worthy competition until the very end of the month when, uh, I guess, you play Nebraska and then Louisville. So you know, he, he's got a good chunk of time to, to get well here before Big Ten happens. But again, high ankle sprains can be complicated. They can be. They can be. And we're going to talk a little bit more about OG and the impact of his injury in our next segment. But, you know, big picture, uh, just about the program. I mean, how are, how are you generally feeling now with where the Hoosiers are? 
obviously I feel great. I mean, this is a team that I think could legitimately compete for final four. Um, and that that's, it's great to have that feeling again, but at the same time, there's, there is a bit of that secular feeling that's kind of come back in here where, okay, we're here. And at the same time, there stands to be a lot of roster turnover going into next season. Um, the recruiting trail hasn't necessarily been the most successful of his turn or tenure here, uh, for the next recruiting class. So there still remains some of that uncertainty, what what is this team going to look like next year or the following year? You know, we have we have some issues that need to be addressed in the roster. Uh, I'd started the point guard spot. Um, and this has been something where we very well could have lost Yogi two years. Well, he could have left a year early. I mean, it was something that he admittedly was considering and and he opted to come back. But this has been something on the roster radar for some time now that still hasn't been fully addressed. Uh, so there's questions there. You know, there's the talk of you got Bryant and OG currently on draft boards. Blackman's not been shy about his intentions of pursuing uh, professional opportunities. Um, and I, w- I will say big picture, I've been impressed with his play so far. I was kind of concerned heading into that when you've got a guy who's talked about, he said last year, or he said in the offseason that, but for the injury, he was absolutely prepared to, to enter the draft last year. Yeah. And I would assume the same should be said this year. Uh, and he's certainly performing at a level where he's probably deserving of that, uh, of at least taking a look. And I'm sure he's going to get some looks from some teams. But with that all out there, and that's been out there since the start of the season, you really don't have a lot of time to settle in and just accept this team for who it is because there's a high likelihood that several key pieces are going to be changing. So it's it's a program constantly in flux. And this is something that we're gradually having to become more and more accustomed to in this uh, in this age of early attrition where players are going to the pros. Yeah, it is. And, and I guess that, that's a good reason why focusing our attention now on, on the here and now and, and the potential that this team has is is a good thing because this team does have a lot of potential. Um, a, a, as you look at it here in, in our final few minutes here, and I agree with you, I think James Blackman Jr. has been terrific so far. And I thought coming into the season that you could make an argument, you know, that while Thomas and OG are probably Indiana's best players and, and, and best NBA prospects, I really thought James was the most important player because of his ability to create shots. And, you know, you mentioned the shot earlier when Indiana was up 62-57, but it felt like North Carolina had gained some momentum. James was the guy who grabbed that rebound, went down and made the three that pushed it back to eight, you know, and got the momentum back in Indiana's favor. And his ability to do that is huge because he's kind of the one guy now that can do that, you know, you know where Yogi could do it last year. In addition to him and in addition to, to OG, who we talked about, who else do you look at going forward as the guy who most needs to maybe take the next step you know, or, or become more consistent uh, for Indiana to reach its considerable potential? Um, I, I think a lot of the season's going to ride or die with Thomas Bryant. Um, and, and obviously that's kind of a, a shortcut in the answer as far as finding like the dark horse guy that we're going to lean on. I, I think a big difference I saw in Tom or Thomas in the last week is, you know, he was getting kind of abused. What was that kid's name for Fort Wayne? Uh, the Indianapolis kid that was, was eating his lunch on several trips up and down the floor on both ends of it. I thought, I thought Thomas was playing really passively in that game. Uh, whereas, you know, against North Carolina, I thought he was much more assertive. He was aggressive on the boards. He was stronger in the post. Um, I, we, we have to have that Thomas. He is a very emotionally driven player. We've seen that. I, I, I absolutely love watching the kids just kind of let it all hang out. I mean, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, but, you know, when, when the calls aren't going his way or the game flow is not going his way, it's one thing to be emotional, but you, you cannot let that overcome you and, and take your, you know, 
kind of take your eyes off the task at hand. Uh, that said, though, I, I have been super impressed with Deron Davis's ability to fill in when whether it's, you know, for whatever reasons, when Thomas has to sit down, I think Deron has a just a boatload of potential. And I think we're just now seeing some of that. You know, we're just scratching the surface with that. I mean, I, there were obviously some conditioning issues and some chemistry issues with him showing up so late. I mean, he got on campus the day before class started this year. So he he missed the entire offseason and, and all the workouts as well as just the open gyms and just the amount of runs those guys get up and down the floor together, kind of establishing those rapports. Uh, I've been really impressed with what he's been able to bring to the table on both ends of the floor when he's had to come in and sub for Bryant. So I, I think not having a big drop off there, it, it allows IU to continue to play the way they want to through the post, inside out, outside in. Uh, he's got tremendous hands. His footwork is is unbelievable for a player of, of, of his age. Um, a lot of shades of Noah Vonley in that kid's game. Um, good hands. He's got a knack for the ball. Yeah, no, he was he was terrific against North Carolina, and he's going to be fun to watch develop, and I think he'll be a very important player for Indiana as we move forward. Well, Chronic, we are out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you on, and hopefully we can have you on Assembly Call Radio again in the future. Looking forward. Thank you so much. Hey, I need to throw a shout-out, too, for your sponsor. I got the Kick Was Good t-shirt from uh, Hoosier Proud. Oh, yeah? Folks need to check out that Indiana Floyd tee. That's actually on my Christmas list this year. These, those guys are putting out great stuff. Support them. They're supporting the show. I'm all for it all, man. Very nice. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, it's at HoosierProud.com. Give them a, give them a look. Uh, coming up, we are going to talk a little bit more about OG Ananobi's injury as Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms join me. Talk about what we're hearing about how long we'll be out, how that will impact Indiana. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, host of The Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And I'm here talking IU basketball with my longtime co-hosts, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's talk about the impact uh, of the OG Ananobi uh, injury. You know, right now, you know, obviously it was reported that it was a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out indefinitely and will definitely miss Indiana's next two games. We don't know how long he will be out beyond that. And for now, let's kind of leave it at that because the next game of consequence for Indiana is the December 13th matchup against Butler. Anything else we really try and say about his injury would be us trying to, you know, give medical diagnoses, which obviously we're not doctors, you know, or just kind of speculating rampantly. So, so we'll leave it at that on the injury for now, because we're hearing, you know, basically what's been reported. Um, but if OG is expected to miss that big game against Butler, then we'll break down a little bit more how, you know, how that injury might linger, you know, what his absence would mean for Indiana against teams that are more at Indiana's level, like Butler, Wisconsin, and Louisville. All teams Indiana plays before December ends. But for now, let's discuss the immediate impact of the injury with two, you know, basically cupcake games coming up. SIU Edwardsville is currently ranked 295th in Ken Palm, while Southeast Missouri State is ranked 286th. Actually, kind of an improvement on what we thought because both these teams were sub 300 there for a while. And Indiana really should have no problem winning both of these games by 20-plus points, even without OG. But his absence is going to mean that either the starters are going to have to play more minutes, which seems unlikely given the high concentration of games over an eight-day span, or that Indiana's reserves should get more time on the court, which could be really helpful in aiding their early season development. So, Andy, first off, do Indiana fans need to worry about either of these two upcoming opponents? And what are you going to be watching for the most during these two games? 
Yeah, so from an opponent standpoint, I looked at some numbers here. As much as there probably was a time in my life that I could have uh, done this off the top of my head, kids and other uh, obligations have made it such that I, I can't know everything there is to know about SIU Edwardsville at the drop of a hat. But we're disappointed. Um, you know, We're disappointed. When you look at the, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm disappointing everyone. Uh, but the uh, you know SIU Edwardsville, they're 311th in offensive efficiency, 262nd on defense. And so, um, you know, the only thing they really do well offensively is they've been really effective at getting to the line. Uh, they shoot threes well, but somewhat infrequently. But they do have you know a decent amount of balance. We've got five guys scoring uh, at least 9.9 points per game, uh, eight guys playing double-digit minutes. I think the thing that works in IU's favor, uh, uh, in addition to the you know overall talent gap, is they have just one guy who plays uh, substantial minutes that's over six seven, I believe. So height is a big is going to be a big issue there and a big advantage for IU. Similar story with Southeast Missouri State on Sunday. They're 252nd in offensive efficiency, 302nd on defense, and um, you know their best win, according to Ken Palm, is you know 293rd ranked Western Illinois. So uh, they shoot the three well uh, as well, but it, you know they they're ranked really poorly on on two point defense and three point defense, and so IU should be able to score uh, pretty easily there. They do have a couple of their top two leading scorers are seniors, so at least you have experienced players there. Um, but again, no rotation players over six seven. So I think. Size-wise, IU's got a huge advantage in both these. I think that's going to come up big, um, both on the boards and, and ideally in some post-scoring uh, and guys not being afraid to attack the basket. Uh, in terms of what to watch for, uh, I think for me it's it's a little bit of what you touched on. You know, Who takes those minutes from OG? I, I would agree with you. They're, it seems extremely unlikely that the starters are going to play more minutes. You've got, you know, Blackman's been banged up a little bit. Robert Johnson, it sounds like, is, is banged up, at least according to um, some comments I heard Crean make yesterday. So I think you're going to be able to watch and see, you know, do we see glimpses from Curtis Jones uh, of what he showed in that Kansas game? And he played well against Mississippi Valley State, but had some freshman moments uh, against Carolina. Devontae Green has struggled a bit of late after playing really well in the exhibition games and the scrimmages. Um, so those guys are certainly going to get some uh, additional time. Deron Davis is a big one. And I think we'll see you know, Freddie McSwain be able to get a little bit more run as he continues to get back into shape. And, and Zach McRoberts may well slide back into the, uh, into the starting lineup. I think, as we've discussed before, we, we all like uh, seeing Juwan Morgan come off the bench. So um, hopefully, in our eyes at least, you know, he, he stays there and continues to play that six-man role. But I think it's, um, you know, looking for – we know what to expect game to game from Thomas Bryant, James Blackman, and Robert Johnson. Uh, and I think the question is, do we start to see glimpses from these other guys of things that we may look back on uh, one of these games later in the season and say, yeah, this is when he started to scratch the surface of how good he could be. You're listening to the Assembly Column. Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips discussing Indiana basketball as we do every week here on Assembly Call Radio and after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. Ryan, what are you going to be watching for during these two games? I think I want to watch the freshmen's minutes tick up. Um, I thought Deron Davis, we discussed this on the postgame show. I, th I thought he was fantastic against North Carolina, really showed uh, that he can hang with anybody. And I know that they need to get his conditioning right. They need to get his uh, his body right to play college basketball. They feel like he got in late and, and didn't get enough of that um, in, in the preseason. So this is a guy averaging 11.5 minutes per game. And he's a guy I think they're going to have to rely on at times in the big 10 uh you've got Devonte green's averaging 12.3 minutes a game curtis jones 13.2 hopefully it gets to the point where these guys can can take over and come and play long stretches uh if needed in the regular season because you're gonna have foul trouble you're gonna have injuries you're gonna have guys miss games i mean that's 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 the nature of college basketball and that's why you recruit depth uh oj ananobi going out 
is unfortunate and obviously we hope he's back soon. But at the same time, as I said, that's why you recruit. That's why you have depth is because these things happen. And so I want to see those young guys get some run. I want to see them play and, and, and see what they can do. And, and especially together because of those three guys that, um, particularly those three, obviously you've got Grant Galon as well. Um, but those three, I feel like they, really need to learn to play together. Uh, I, I especially Jones and, and green in the backcourt, just in case anything dra- dramatic happens this year, you've got to have those, those two guys playing with each other and developing a rapport. And then Deron Davis, I, you know, the more he gets in games, the more I'm impressed with him. And so I'd like to see him get some more minutes here as well. Um, again, it's, it's an opportunity for these guys to grow with OG out and, and it's an opportunity for the next guy to step up. Um, I think again, also, as we've talked about, Juwan Morgan has kind of looked out of sorts the last couple of weeks. I thought he looked better against North Carolina. Uh, he's obviously going to be relied upon now with, with Ananobi out. And, uh, I think it's a chance for him to step up as well and, and sort of fill that role that he filled pretty well last year, um, as just sort of a do everything guy. So, I think there's a couple positives that can be looked at. I mean, injuries are opportunities for other guys. I mean, it's a bummer that, that Ananobi's out, but these other guys have a chance now and, and there's an open slot and there's going to be minutes available. So they've got to, they've got to show that they can, you know, that they can fulfill what those roles that they were brought in to, to fill. It is a bummer, you know, but it's one of those things where when the college basketball season kind of gives you lemon lemons, you got to try and make lemonade out of it. And, and, and this is an opportunity for those guys to step up. And I'm going to ask this next question unironically. Um, but, you know, I started thinking, you know, Colin Hartman's out. OG Ananobi is out. You know, so there's this gap in the front court. We have a scholarship junior in Tim Priller who, if he's ever going to, you know, I guess make good on that scholarship and become a player, this would be the time. Like, do we think that he steps up and gets any more minutes beyond just garbage time? Because if not now for him, when? I mean, he is a 6'10 guy, and I know we haven't seen a lot from him, but, you know, Ryan, would you expect him to get any more minutes? And if he doesn't, what does that suggest about, you know, kind of his, his role moving forward? I mean, will he ever be more than just a novelty at the end of games? I don't expect him to get more minutes. I mean, maybe if he might get the last five, if I use up real big, just because the depth is, is thinning out. Um, but no, I, I think that Tim fills a role, uh, of a guy that he's, I, I feel like he's a locker room guy and I feel like he is a, a guy that everybody likes. And you've heard Crean mentioned it before that he's great and everybody along the team loves him and all that stuff. And I feel like you do need guys like that. I know it's a lot of people look at it like, Oh, well there's a scholarship crunch and you know, maybe he's, you know, he shouldn't be on scholarship if he's not playing and all this stuff. Well, you know what? Sometimes you need off the court, uh, uh, contributions from people. And I feel like that's where Priller's value is. And, um, Plus, he's just he, it's fun to watch when he gets in there. Let's face it. But no, I don't think he's going to he's going to get minutes. I feel like they'll fill that out with the other with some of the other guys. Um, and yeah, it's it's Prilla's third year in the program. And I, I don't see any major contributions coming uh, on the court. But, you know, I, it's, I, I, I don't hold that against him. I think that he uh, he does provide something off the court for this team. And, and clearly he does or, or he wouldn't be here. Yeah, I just I think this is, you know, with the opponents coming up, the opportunity with Ananobi out, if he is ever going to become something resembling a rotation player, now would be the time, I think, where we'd see some glimpses of that based on how the rotations go. So something else to watch. I'm not, you know, 
I guess holding out hope for it either or holding my breath for it. But hey, let's be let's be honest. Uh, let's be honest. I'd love to see it, but I, I just yeah. don't see it coming. No. No, I hear you. Well, coming up, we're going to shine a spotlight on one player in particular that we're going to be watching and then give you our bold predictions for the upcoming week. That's next on The Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, host of The Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And I'm here talking IU basketball with my longtime co-hosts, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's put a spotlight on one player that we're going to be watching especially close this week. For me, it's Devontae Green. And this is a guy who really impressed folks, you know, in the scrimmages and in at Hoosier Hysteria and in some of the early season games. Uh, not even games, but just appearances by by Indiana. But so far this year, he has a turnover percentage of 39.6. His offensive rating is a team low 83.3. And the question right now, I think that everybody's wondering, is will he develop into a trusted rotation player? Because I think right now he has not been that guy. And, and last year, you know, we saw glimpses from guys like OG Ananobi in these cupcake games. For instance, when OG had three blocks and three rebounds against McNeese State that kind of suggested, hey, this guy is, is nearing a breakout. And, and, and my spotlight is on Devontae Green because I want to see over these two games, what is he going to show with his minutes? And is he going to do anything that kind of suggests that he'll be ready to be that trusted rotation player as we move into Big Ten play? So my spotlight is on Devontae Green. Ryan, who's your spotlight on? Well, I think after the North Carolina game and seeing how he handled playing against some of the top post, one of the top post tandems in the country, I, I got to look at Deron Davis. I, I think that this guy, you guys know, I've been on him for months as as a guy who could be a breakout star at Indiana. Uh, I think that you know, six ten, two forty as a freshman, and, and he's smart. He just knows how to play basketball, and he knows how to get position. He knows what to do defensively. He's always in the right spot against North Carolina. Thirteen minutes, he had five points. Uh, three rebounds, two blocks, a steal. Uh, he just played smart basketball, and he really was able to steal minutes when Thomas Bryant uh, needed a rest. I think in these next two games, you're going to see him get a lot more run. He hasn't he hasn't topped 15 minutes yet this year because, again, Tom Crean is monitoring his minutes as far as trying to get him in shape and things like that. But I think in the last two games um, against Mississippi Valley State as well, you've seen him really start to look comfortable at the college level. And I, I think this is the time for him to, to start to maybe get a breakout going. Yeah. Andy, who's your spotlight on? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on brand with the Robert Johnson fan club and go with Robert Johnson because he uh, you know coming off a really big game against North Carolina as you mentioned he's shooting uh, outside of Grant Galon who's one of one on two pointers uh, Robert Johnson leading IU in two point shooting at 78 uh, percent shooting 43 percent from three turnover rate still down slightly but still a little bit too high got double figures in every game uh, and as you mentioned you know his leadership is really starting to evolve which has kind of been I don't know if I'd say the missing piece, but um, it's certainly a, a void that was looking to be filled for this team. And I look back at a couple different players, so you, I'll, I'll give you guys a chance to guess. Jared, I know, it's, I'll tell you ahead of time, it's not Greg Graham. I know you like to compare guys to him, but if you look at Robert Johnson's offensive rating, as a freshman, he was at 101.1. Uh, this other player I'm looking at was 105.3 as a freshman. Uh, as a sophomore, Robert Johnson, 115.7. This other player, 114.5. So you saw a good jump there. And then as a junior, uh, Robert Johnson at 124.1. And this other player I'm thinking of was at 124.3. So any uh, any guesses as to who that other player is? Yogi. Yeah, it's Yogi. 
Nah, you guys are you guys are good. <laughs> I don't call you the best in the See, business for nothing. We can do this so. off the top of our head, bottoms. That's the thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it had to. I couldn't. I I really wanted to find Greg Graham's uh, offensive rating numbers. I just I just couldn't come up with those. So. Well, using offense, uh, yeah, no, using I, offensive I rating numbers really narrowed it down because it had to be someone recent. So context yeah. clues. Yeah, kind of gave you away. It was either going to be true. him or like true. Oladipo, but it had to be it had to be Yogi. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think I mean I think I think that just kind of signifies you know growing into a role, and I think the leadership piece you know that came a little bit later for Yogi, and so not not saying Robert Johnson is going to end up with a career like Yogi's by any means, but I think just from a growth standpoint and what you watch uh, as he's evolved over his first few years, I think, I think kind of a, a cool parallel to look at. Very nice. All right. So our player spotlights on Devonte green, Deron Davis and Robert Johnson. And that means that it is now time for our bold predictions, which we'll get to here in just a second. You are listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we are wrapping up here as we discuss Indiana basketball, like we do every week here on assembly call radio. And after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. So let's do our bold predictions. And two weeks ago, uh, when we did our last radio show, Andy, you said that seven guys would be in double figures over the course of Indiana's two games. Only five guys did it, so your bold prediction failed. Ryan, you said that Curtis Jones would score 20-plus points in one of these games. He scored six points combined in the two games. So your bold prediction failed miserably. Uh, and it I clearly, said... <laughs> Clearly, clearly that, that was not my fault. Curtis, you, you're killing me, kid. Come on. Focus. Uh, I said that Indiana would defeat Liberty by 40-plus points. The Hoosiers defeated Liberty by 39 points, and they also missed nine free throws in that game. So my bold prediction failed, but by the slimmest of margins, making me the clear winner for our first week doing bold predictions. And remember, we did these for the week of the games with uh, with Fort Wayne and Liberty, so it does not include the Mississippi Valley State and North Carolina games because we were just looking out one week. Um, but the current standings now for bold predictions are in a three-way tie for last place, Andy, Ryan, and Jared, all of us. Also a three-way tie for first though. Also a three-way tie for first. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's, let's go, let's go glass half, half uh, full on this one, huh? Okay. But if point differential were the tiebreaker, I would clearly be leading by a wide margin. So let's make sure that that, hey, uh, Andy, I'm going to say we don't include point differential. You good with that? It's that, that seems fair. Yeah. yeah you've been overruled two to one Morris. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's get to this week's bold predictions. Indiana has two games against SIU Edwardsville and, uh, tonight, that game happens, and then against uh, Southeast Missouri State on Sunday. Let's get some bold predictions. Andy, what is yours? Uh, so I'm I'm buying what Ryan is selling on Deron Davis, and I'm going to say he averages 12 points and six rebounds over these two games. I think the size uh, concerns for the opponents I mentioned earlier are big, uh, and those are both more than double his current point and rebounding averages, but I think he, he gets some additional minutes has played really well in the, uh, in the minutes he's gotten so far. And is a guy who's not afraid to mix it up inside and uh, get some easy baskets. thinking he can get some putbacks based on his size on this one. So I'm going to go Deron Davis, 12 and six. You know, it's interesting because I think uh, Deron Davis's numbers in a, in a lot of ways are a function of his minutes. And we know that his minutes have been limited because of the conditioning concerns. Do you want to add a, uh, a minute average? You want to go real bold and say, do you think he'll play 20 plus minutes uh, in these two games? Think he's ready for that? Uh, I, you know, I don't want to get baited into another thing here. I mean, not to be counted in the statistics. I think he, I think he comes close to twenty, though. Um, you know, he's done really well. I looked at some of his other numbers. He's got three turnovers all year. Um, again, in limited minutes, but for a guy who, uh, you know, wasn't around as much in the summer, I think really impressive. So I think he he pushes that twenty minute mark. Ryan, you were shaking your head. You don't think so? I don't think he'll necessarily average twenty minutes in these next two games. No, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, 
but I, I think that's a great prediction from Andy. It's it's bold and uh, but but reasonable as well. Ah, very nice. Okay, Ryan, what is your bold but reasonable prediction? Uh, I, I, we talked about this. I, I don't think I'm going to go with a statistical prediction. So you guys will have to be the judges of whether or not this is, and I, I trust you to be fair. Uh, I think Juwan Morgan is going to get back to being Juwan Morgan, be a stat sheet stuffer and, and start to look more comfortable. He's probably going to assume a lot of OG's role, uh, while OG is out. And, and I think that he's kind of looked uncomfortable. He's averaging six points and six rebounds and, and 1.7 assists. But I, I just feel like there's more there. And, and I think you guys would agree. He hasn't had double-figure scoring all year. He had a 10-rebound game against Kansas. Uh, but other than that, he hasn't looked like the guy we expected him to be this year. And, and I think maybe it might be partially because he just is ha- has a lot on his plate uh, trying to develop into sort of a positionless, with quotes around it, player. Uh, and I think that he's going to settle back into his regular role and, and really start to become the guy that we thought he was going to be for this team this year. Uh, so I, I just think that Juwan Morgan is going to look more like Juwan Morgan. We're going to see a better Juwan Morgan over these next two games. That's my prediction. You guys, I trust you to be fair judges. Andy, I'm kind of thinking that prediction already is, is seeming like it's not true. What do you think? That's <laughs> uh, tough to tough to judge this early, but uh, I tend to I tend to lean your direction. You're certainly not going to get Jared's vote after you turn down his uh, his one about whether the slim margin would work. So I thought we were working together here. I, I really buy in. I I really <laughs> I thought hope I really buy into what you're saying, or you get some. I, I I really thought we were friends and we were working together. I clearly have to reevaluate. I, I will say though, you know, I do think it'll be interesting with OG out. Maybe this is an opportunity for Juwan, you know, to to like you said, Ryan, fill more of that OG role, and maybe we'll see less kind of. Juwan Morgan as point guard just because of how the rotations uh, fill out for Indiana. We'll see. But I, I think it'd be good if he can kind of go back, like you said, to doing more more Juwan Morgan things because Indiana certainly needs him to do that. Um, well, my bold prediction is going to involve my spotlight player. And, and I just, you know, the two guys that I'm going to be watching the most in in these exhibition games, not exhibition games, but these games against uh, SIU Edwardsville and Southeast Missouri State, against teams that Indiana should beat going away, are Curtis Jones and Devontae Green. Because we have seen Indiana's front court depth, you know, step up and play well. Obviously, Deron Davis, and I think Juwan played better against North Carolina. But that left a lot of pressure on Indiana's three guards. I mean, Robert Johnson, James Blackman Jr., and Josh Newkirk all had to play well. We just went through this entire show and haven't really mentioned Josh Newkirk. And he played really well, I thought. But, you know, at some point in this season, maybe soon, Indiana's going to need its bench guards to step up and play well. And Curtis Jones did it against Kansas. Indiana doesn't win that game without Curtis. Um, And so I think he's got to get back to doing that. And Devontae's got to show that he can be a a solid rotation player. So my bold prediction is that those two guys combined are going to average 20-plus points per game over these two games. Uh, And obviously, you know, Devontae hasn't scored much at all. Curtis's scoring has been up and down. I think we'll see consistent production from those two guys. So that is my prediction. Curtis and Devontae are going to average 20-plus points over these next two games. Reasonable? Is that bold enough for you, Ryan? While also that is reasonable. Bold. That's that's very bold. I'm I am on board with that prediction, Jared. You you did not you did not send a week one in. I appreciate that. Excellent. And it'll be easy to track. Well, Ryan, Ryan thought Curtis Jones was going to get twenty in the the last bowl prediction in one game. So that would mean Devonte Green, according to Ryan, in the one case, would need to average zero. So I would yeah. assume Ryan would have thought that not been very bold at hey, all. Hey man, 
I was real high on Curtis heading into that week. Well, I think, <laughs> I think, clearly. yeah, no, I think we all were. And, and again, you know, he played better against Mississippi Valley State. I just, you know, I think he's moving a little bit too fast, you know, and, and those guys just need to slow down a little bit, relax, let their talent take over. Um, and, and I think well, this, it was, is, this is a good opportunity for them to do that. Well, what was really funny is against North Carolina, you had the three freshmen who played take horrendous shots early on. And, and, you know, I think they were all three air balls or one, one, I think Curtis Jones just hit the backboard, uh, from far away, but yep. Sorry. I got, I got to cut you off, Ryan. That will do it for this week's episode of the assembly call. Make sure that you join us at assemblycall.com after the the two IU games this week against SIU Edwardsville and Southeast Missouri State for our post-game show, or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to hoosierproud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.